Welcome to the ASU Sports Business Podcast. Hi guys, and welcome back to, welcome back, or welcome to our um, latest episode for ASU Sports Business Podcast. I didn't even ask um, or mention in the last podcast, I hope, would you guys recognize the intro music? I know it's something new that we're doing, but let us know your thoughts. But yeah, thanks. Um, hope you're well and keeping safe. Um, thanks for the feedback from our previous podcast with David Wright. He's a great guy, knows a lot. And today we are going to hone in more on um, football and development in Africa. Um, I have with me a, uh, a really, really good guy, um, Amos Joseph. He runs an organization called Footballers Connect Nigeria. Um, and I came across them on, I guess we're, we're, we're in a few WhatsApp groups, uh, but I came across them on um, social media and Instagram. And what they really do is really, like really good stuff. Um, I'm sure quite a few people are aware that um, we do have some rogue agents who try, to, who try to take advantage of young footballers coming from Africa. And also, um, yeah, they tackle that basically. They highlight issues, they speak to players past and present about their experience, and they help young guys in terms of issues that they encounter, which I'll let Amos go into in more detail. But Amos, how are you? How are things going? Yeah, thanks, Gabriel. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a privilege to be here with you. Um, we met <laughs> on Instagram, yeah. and then we are in quite a number of uh, social media groups, like uh, WhatsApp groups. Uh, and, um, and somehow we are here talking about football, talking about African football development, talking about how we can improve the game. Uh, that's what's germane for most of us. Yeah. Um, and then we want to see the game uh, on the bright side, you know, yeah. on the of Africa, we want to ensure that African footballers are towing the right path, and then African footballers, especially young ones, are not derailed, and then they are not taken advantage of at any point in time. Brilliant. Um, sounds good. And for those listening, so we want to break this down into two parts. The first part, we'll talk about um, the issues. Why do footballers want to see greener, green pastures elsewhere? And also talk about... Um, the middleman problem, as Amos says, in terms of agents. And the second part will focus more on solutions and just the general um, football development in Africa. And also, just for those listening, just to mention, Amos and I were joking. Um, Amos is based in Nigeria. And last time we had a conversation, it was raining so heavy that the connection wasn't the greatest. <laughs> and so this morning, I said, I hope it's not raining. And <laughs> But it stops now. So if you do hey any um you know connected, <laughs> give us for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just just get straight into it, Amos. Um, I know I gave a brief um you know outline about Footballers Connect and the great work that you guys do. Honestly, please check them out on Instagram and social media. Um, but yeah, I guess the first question, the first place to start off with is African football in general and the desperation for greener pastures right so what is the what's the current state of of affairs in in that regard uh, we, we we cannot overemphasize the fact that africa has got quite an quite immense number of talented footballers um africa is blessed with players who can rule the world who have the capability to to take their world and rule 
uh, take a look at the likes of DJ Drogba, Abedi Pele, Kano Wankwo, um, everybody, Roger Miller. Look at the players that Africa has churned out down the lane, right? Shegmodegba, me and everybody. Yeah. You know, but the reality is that look at where we are today versus where we were coming from, yeah. you know. Um, and then how is African football governed? Mm -hmm. That's a cause of worry for so many people. Yeah. Now, I, I grew up playing, wanting to play football professionally. Uh, but after my university, after studying, I, I studied mass communication in the university. And then in my, in my second to my third year, I started playing for my university as well. Uh, after my university graduation, I, I still thought I was going to be able to play football professionally. But at some point, I had to tell myself the truth and say, hey, man, um, you're not growing younger. And then uh, injury alongside, hey, I need to be realistic with myself. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that in this part of the world, we are not that realistic with ourselves. We don't tell ourselves the truth. Um, you find someone who's 30 claims he's 17 years old. You find someone who is 35 says he's 20 years old. You know, quite like half the age has been chopped off yeah. is real age, yeah. right? So age is another problem on its own, which we're still going to address someday. But for the purpose of this conversation, now everybody wants to leave Africa just because they, they, they call it greener pasture in quotes, right? Uh, we often think that the the the, uh, the grass is greener on the other side yeah. until you're there. Yeah. I made mention of the fact that I wanted to play football as a young young star myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I came across a couple of people who tried to, oh, I'm going to take you abroad. I'm going to help you. I will get you a visa to Dubai. I will get you a visa to Russia, mm -hmm. to Kosovo. And I'm I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to go to these places to play football. Yeah. But I can make those sort of decisions just because I have a formal education, yeah. right? I'm, I'm able to discern for myself where and what kind of life I want to live. Yeah. Where I have a choice. I feel like, oh, I've gotten to a level where I've got a choice for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not desperate to Nigeria for just anything mm -hmm. or just any place. I don't know what goes on there. If, if I decide that I'm not going to play football, I can get a job. Yeah. I'll, I'll get hired. I'll get a job. And... FYI, I've, I'm also experienced in um, ride alien operations, delivery operations, after I, I quit football, mm. right? And, I, and I'm still a journalist, a football journalist, mm. right? So I have options. I can do quite a number of things with my life, with myself. Mm -hmm. I can decide that, hey, I want to quit this part. I want to quit this part. But for many young Nigerian and African footballers, they don't have an option. They don't have a choice. Mm. And that's why everybody wants to run away. Okay. Oh, I'm going to get you a visa uh, to go to Ibiza. I'm going to get you a visa to go to Iraq to play football. Hey, what goes on in Iraq? I'm going to get you a visa to play ball in Miami. I'm not discrediting these countries, but the reality is what level of football do they play there? Yes. What level of football goes on in Miami? You know, is it competitive or is it just that you just want to go earn a few dollars, uh, maybe a hundred dollars per, per month? That's not enough. That's not sufficient. You can't survive with this sort of payment, right? So everybody just wants to leave. And why? The why is because we don't have a palatable situation back home, yeah. right? Back home, we are not happy. Like now, take for instance, the NSAS protest going on in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. People are tired. 
young Nigerians are tired of how they're being governed. And that's the, that's the overall truth. Um, it, it's actually beyond SARS. It's beyond SARS thing. The reality is that if there are policies guiding the operations of these so-called SARS people, they won't take to the streets and start firing at people. Have proper structure, proper stand or um, properly structured. I mean, people would want to leave, would not, would want to remain back in Nigeria. And then we started Footballers Connect in 2018. Um, I came back from from Morocco. Uh, I went to Morocco as a journalist uh, with the Chan team, Super Eagles B team. Um, I met quite a number of Nigerians in Morocco. And then I saw some other African, young Africans from other countries. Uh, some of them are from Cameroon. Some of them are from Senegal. Some of them are from, from Ghana. And then they're begging for arms in the streets. They've got two hands. They've got two feet. Stuff like that in the street. Yeah. They're begging. I'm like, these guys have two hands. They've got two legs. They can walk. They can, they can get a job, paid job. And then I haven't discussed with some of them. They said, oh, they play football. They came to Morocco to see if they can better their lot and all. And I'm like, come on, why don't you just stay in your country? So it tells you for a fact that beyond, beyond wanting to go to Europe, some want to actually migrate from Nigeria or from Ghana or from Morocco uh, or from Cameroon to Morocco to Egypt to Tunisia because they feel that the, the, living, um, the living condition will be better there. But hey, it just looks good on the other side. Okay, because we know in you know, Northern African countries, they've got a thriving you know, sports and football um, pyramid, so to say. So is there a thought initially to go to those countries for sport or is it just for a better living or what is it? Okay, so for, for some of them, um, they, were, they were promised that, oh, I'm going to take you to Morocco. I'll get you a deal in Morocco with a second division club or a first division club. And then it turns out that there's no deal at all mm-hmm. in the first place. There's no deal at all. Yeah. You know? So these guys who promised them better opportunities in those countries and yeah. that ends up not having that contact that they claim they have yes. and that's where the problem is so um for some of them they're like i know some people that have left nigeria for uh, oh i'm going to egypt i'm going to libya mm-hmm. some people feel that oh when you get to libya life is easy and then they realize that when they get there things are different now look at what the the ministry of of foreign affairs is doing you know they're trying to repatriate Nigerians who are in Libya, Nigerians who are in some of these countries who are trying to get to Libya to migrate to Europe. Yeah. You know, they feel like, oh, this, I hear that you can move from Libya down to Italy. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just going to be a, so, a, a, a smooth sailing. But, but trust me, the, many of them end up in the desert. Many of them end up inside the ocean, inside the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And these things still happen. Mm-hmm. But Really, for football, many people just feel that, oh, I just need one chance. Let me just get that one chance, one invitation to a professional club in any of these countries abroad, and then I will sign a professional contract. Forgetting the fact that there are many youths who are, from, who are originally from those countries that also want to play football, yeah. right? You're not... If you go to England, if you go to Italy, if you go to Spain, if you go to France, they've also have, they also have youths. They also have 
young footballers who are coming up who want to take over from the likes of Pogba and then the likes of Wayne Rooney and, and everybody. But we just have this at the back of our head that I just want to get to Europe. Once I get there, Oyibuman will like me. Oyibuman will like me, you know? <laughs> There's that mirage that, oh, once I just get there, I'm going to play my way to success. Yeah. But hey, nobody tells you that you don't have an accommodation there. You don't, you don't, you, you can't cope with the extreme cold weather. Um, you don't know how, you don't know how to negotiate. You don't have an agent. Yeah. Nobody is looking after you. The guy who claims he wants to look after you is actually looking to rip you off. That's what I was going to say, actually. So in most of these cases, just for some context, a lot of these young boys, they are finding their own way to Europe. And this is not necessarily after speaking with an agent, because we know there are some bad agents out there. Sometimes they just willingly go themselves and hope to make it and it just doesn't work out, right? Mm. It's crazy. Is yeah. <laughs> so, so. For, yeah, excuse me. So, for some people, um, for for some for someone like, like me, my own experience is that I was like, oh, I'm tired of staying in Nigeria. I just want to travel. Yeah. I just want to leave. Um, even if I don't get to play football, I'm going to give you an ex an example of a youngster in uh, in Cyprus. Yeah. I spoke with him on one of our Instagram live chats. And then he's looking to leave Cyprus. The Cyprus he was promised was not the actual Cyprus in he arrived at. Yeah. In reality. So he was promised South Cyprus mm -hmm. and then he landed in North Cyprus. Yeah. For him, he thought he was going to get to see the likes of um, Apollon Limassol, yeah. the teams that play in the European yeah. Champions League yeah. and then Championship qualifiers. And then when he got to North Cyprus, he realized that I, I would actually need a visa. I would, I would actually need a permit to visit the southern part of Cyprus. You know, these are some of the information that nobody cares to share with you. Yeah. Even till date, nobody shares these things. People just, oh, go to Cyprus, go to, just leave. Nine. So the, the mindset of wanting to escape mm -hmm. is the problem. Yeah. The escape mindset is the problem. I think, I think that's, um, and we're going to, in the second half, we'll talk about solutions, but I think what you just mentioned now is so important in terms of mindset. It's, um, yeah. yeah, mindset is, yeah, I can't stress enough. It's so important in terms of changing people's perceptions of what mm. can actually be. Mm. A lot of that starts with, of course, your mind, but opportunity is shown to one, right? And I know mm. you a lot already in terms of education which we'll get into in a bit more detail and just aiding these youngsters but also if they want to go to Europe that's fine let them have a top agent they know they do the research but also providing yeah. them opportunities to maybe be like okay um, I don't need to go to Cyprus or uh, Southeast Asia to play football I can maybe do something in Africa or in my country oh. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just very key so in terms of just from your experience also um, you mentioned, for example, uh, a case study just there about someone going to Cyprus. Where do these, from your experience and your, from what you guys do, where did these players go to? Is it all over Europe and Southeast Asia or, or where? Cause I, know you, I know from the Instagram lives that you do, a lot of these guys end up in Turkey, right? I'm not sure if that's their first destination or, but yeah, where do they, where do they go? Okay, so um, most of the time, at some point, it was Russia. 
Ukraine, Russia. Um, later on, it switched to Turkey. In the early uh, millennium, uh, let's say 2000 down to 2010, down to 2015, Turkey became the destination, the choice destination, because they feel like, oh, um, the immigration rules are not that stiff, and then you can you can make your way into uh, the lower divisions easily. You know, there is this brainwashing that when you get to Turkey, life is easy, police don't disturb you, immigration officers are not that strict as compared to Europe, and then it's cheaper um, to move to Turkey. It's easier because the visa uh, is not that, the visa rules are also a bit flexible, yeah. right? So now, Turkey, Cyprus, and then there are some other countries such as Dubai uh, that people are also considering. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that they, they, they fail to understand that when you get to Dubai, I'm gonna cite an instance. I, I once advised a close friend hey, don't go to Dubai. Instead, he just wants to go. Like, oh, the guy said that once they get to Dubai, they're going to work for maybe like three months and then they will get them into a team. Yeah. I'm like, if he wants to take you to a team, he claims to be an agent who has contact with clubs. Mm -hmm. If he wants to take you to a team for trials, what, what stops him from taking you directly to the team? Yeah. Right? It doesn't add up. And then you now get to Dubai, um, you go doing construction works, put your life at risk, something that you cannot do ordinarily in Nigeria. There's nothing wrong if you want to migrate. So my advice majorly to them is, uh, what, what I usually tell them is, guy, if you want to travel abroad, if you know you just want to travel, it is fine. If you want to relocate, but don't, forget the fact that you're going to play football. If you want to play football, this is not the way to migrate. Yeah. Right. If you know you have a football career that you're nurturing, this is not the best way to migrate. Yeah. If you're migrating this way, it means that you just want to hustle. You just want to go and work mm -hmm. and then earn some living. Yeah. Which is fine. If Nigeria is not if Nigerian condition is not as palatable as you want, if Nigerian condition is not the best that you want for yourself, it's okay. But the money you invest in traveling, in going for that journey, is a problem. Now, some of these guys, what they do is, oh, they call their families, they sell their, their farmlands, they sell their property, oh. and, you know, they sell their cars. If their father owns a land somewhere, they go sell it off, and then they sponsor this trip. Yeah. But in the end, when, and that is where this disappointment comes. When you now get to the great, supposed greener pasture, it's not as green as envisaged, yeah. right? It's not as green as you are taught, right? So <laughs> many, many a times when they don't get to those countries, Dubai, um, Turkey, Miami, lately, just be, you know, I, I had a case of someone who went to Mongolia. Wow. He was not told, yeah, Mong and, and I'm like, why should I decide to go and play football in Mongolia to earn $100 in a month? So these things happen, but mostly unreported. Mostly unreported. These things happen. Okay, so when we had the event in 2018, um, we had one of, one of the coaches that attended, coaches of the academies that we invited, 
And he said, Amos, I think I have a situation that you might be able to help. And I'm like, okay. And then I introduced them to one of my friends who is a journalist as well, um, who is well-skilled in writing some of these reports, yeah. doing some of those investigations. And then I, I hooked them up. And then I spoke with the boy in Mongolia. I handed him over to, to Lua Lasoji, who did a very wonderful piece for Al Jazeera. Yeah. And then the boy gained freedom. And then this boy gained freedom and came back to Nigeria. Well, that's good. I yeah. Mean, so, crazy. really crazy. You know, but where this boy is coming from is one of the cities we're looking to expand to in the nearest future, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're looking to move from we're looking to move from lagos where we where we have currently held two events yes. to ocean states other inner cities where these boys are not exposed to social media they don't have access to internet as much as we do in the city of lagos in abuja uh, in the fct in Porakot. Um, they don't have as much exposure to digital stuff yes. our one-on-one -on -one advocacy cannot stop yeah our one-on-one -on -one advocacy cannot stop because this is the best channel this is the best medium through which we can reach those those individuals now there are many there are a thousand and one or a million and one youths out there in those inner cities who are still very desperate to make this sort of move mm. they just they don't know how much a dollar is worth in, in naira yeah. trust me they don't know the maths they don't know that a dollar is just 450 naira. You know, and the hundred dollars is just 40,500 naira. So they don't do this mathematics. Yeah. All they see is Oibo. All they see is the white skin guy. Yeah. All they see is, oh, I'm going to take you somewhere where people will watch you. Mm -hmm. The young man from Mongolia told us how he washes dishes for a hundred dollars in a month. Wow, he washes dishes for hundred dollars in a month. These things happen. We're not saying don't travel, but we're saying travel the right way. Yeah. We're saying travel in the right manner. Have the right contact. Have the right people take you out of this country. Don't enslave yourself. Taribo West shared his experience mm -hmm. how he signed slave contract. And these are some of the things that we want to get out of, out of out from the professionals. And that's why we keep engaging professionals who have, who have seen it all, who have been at the forefront. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, these boys think that it's, a, it's an easy journey. They think that it's a rosy journey. So uh, a question I want to ask, actually, you mentioned about, you know, ages and the role that they have to play. I mean, they have an important, well, the right ones <laughs> have an important role to play within sports, yeah. um, they help players wonderfully. Um, they help clubs as well, in, in some extent um, as well. But you described it as the, the middleman problem. Um, mm. What is that? Is that, is, that, is that basically the rogue agents who come and manipulate these young people? Or, or, or what is it? So if you look at what FIFA is trying to do, um, FIFA is, is trying to ensure that the activities or the practices of agents are well regulated. So. The guys who are the real guys, who are the real agents, they need to ensure that they are well regulated and then they need to put out a lot of messages. In Europe, this is not so pronounced. The, real, the fake guys, 
here is how they operate. And a lot of people still have not been able to discern that these guys are fake. And says, hey, you need to pay me X, Y, Z amount. Yeah. You need to pay me $1,000 to get you an invitation from Resistor, K-Core Resistor. You need yeah. to get me $1,500 and I'm going to secure a trial opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. It is a no-no. Yeah. Real agents are going to request for your video. They will watch you play and they're going to give an a honest assessment of you. They will tell you what they can do and they're not going to promise heaven and earth. They're not going to promise, oh, I'm going to take you to... If they really want you, if they really want you, they're going to ask you to involve everybody that they need to involve. So real agents ensure that they tidy all the mix, the in-betweens. All right, thanks, Amos. It's, um, I mean, I'm sure we could talk in more detail about you know, the issues and whatnot, but let's take a, let's take a short break. And then when we come back, we will mm -hmm. talk, um, the possible solutions and look more at the, uh, the football development. Hi guys, thanks for tuning into our latest podcast. Help us spread the word by subscribing, liking, and sharing our content across all social platforms at ASUnified and use the hashtag ASUPod to join the conversation. Please do give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. And if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss, people you'd like to see join us on the podcast, or simply to stay in touch, send us an email to info at asunified.com. Hi guys and welcome back. And so yeah, so we, in the first half, we touched on, you know, the, the issues and just get wider context. And I guess now we can maybe talk about solutions. I know uh, you were briefly mentioning before Amos about possible uh, implementations that, you know, FIFA have, such as the DTMS and the ITC, those possible ways in terms of, yeah, trying to curb this issue that's going on. So yeah, do you want to expand on it further? All right. So, um, I, I know for sure that every player that wants to, that is attached to an academy mm -hmm. uh, that is being taken abroad to sign a, a professional contract somewhere, there is usually a clearance, there is usually um, a transfer certificate from the NFF, which, is, which comes from the ITC, from the TMS system. Mm -hmm. So... It, it tells you what academy the young star played for back home in Nigeria. And then it tells you where he has played his football, if he has played for any professional, professional league or yeah. not. Yeah. And then it also tells you what his real details are. Right? Mm -hmm. So what I, what I would like to see is for every football academy to be standardized in the sense that standardized in the sense that Oh, there is a register for all players yeah. of each academy. I know that most academies are registered with the state FAs, with the local state FAs, mm -hmm. right? And they participate in competitions like uh, the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah, in some places they call it Challenge Cup and all. So, but mostly the FA Cup, which is widely known. So, for any of those players who have participated 
in the FA Cup. They have a database. They have a detail. They have their details somewhere. But some people may not have participated in that competition. But still, the clubs should have details of those players so that if anybody contacts them, that they're taking them anywhere, they are able to wade in and advise properly and say, oh, this is it. But the problem is that the youngsters are not that transparent. Mm -hmm. So when people contact them on the internet, in fact, these youngsters actually go online to start looking for agents, to start searching for agents. Yeah. I give an instance of how people send me a message, oh, connect me to an agent. I'm a youngster. I can play football. You can take 70% of the money that comes to me. They start promising heaven and earth. And these are some of the things they send to these guys mm. that puts them, they, they began to lose their assets. And then they become, this your status as the asset. And then you become the one on the begging side. Yeah. No, it should be the other way around. Yeah. It should be, you are the asset. The agent is trying to work with you. Mm. right? And it should do due diligence. It should get in touch with your academy. It should ensure that you're developing rights. It should ensure that every T's are crossed and every I's are dotted, right? Yeah. So if the FAs, the state FAs, put out messages to clubs to warn all young stars, hey, guys, don't move with any, just anybody. Mm -hmm. Don't be deceived by anybody. If anybody wants to work with you, let him come to your academy where you're developing. Um, it's, just, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to try to say, in Europe, you can't just walk to a kid and say you want to take them abroad. You want to take them, it doesn't work that way. No. Most of these kids who play football are engaged with clubs. They have academies where they are duly registered. Mm -hmm. So where I'm talking about standard is if all the players are duly registered, they can't be taken anywhere overnight. Nobody is going to come overnight to move them anywhere. Sorry, can I just, I just want to quickly jump in there because I know you're talking about, because it's so, it's so difficult. I know I've done some reading and research into this in terms of, I know we're going to maybe touch on this later on about, you know, but the, the football pyramid in Africa, there's so, you have like your registered academies, but there's so many other academies that aren't registered where you know it's then it makes it easier for maybe the rogue agents to come and take young players or it's even harder for i don't know nff or the local governing body to trace you know the movement of each of each player especially if those academies aren't registered within their their pyramidal ecosystem so potentially as you even mentioned about having like a, a big registry them widening and somehow pulling in those academies that aren't in the system, bringing them into the system. So it makes it easier to, to track and trace. Um, exactly. Exactly. So, so for so many, um, that we have, we have a boys club <laughs> and then we have academies. Yeah. Right. So we have a lot of boys club, more boys club than the real academies. So, the, the guys I call, like some people even say, oh, in Nigeria, we don't have a proper academy. Mm. And that's the fact. Mm. We don't have proper academies where the players are duly registered, where they monitor the progress of the player for years, and then their career progression is well monitored. Mm. 
So now take a look at Barcelona Academy in Lagos. Take a look at uh, I hear there's a Juventus Academy. I hear there's uh, a Real Madrid Academy coming soon to Nigeria. See, growing up, I played for Pepsi Football Academy, and I know how it was run. It was run in such an organized manner that you you just can't move anywhere. Yeah. You you're duly registered. Whoever wants to work with you sees that you are a product of the academy. It can't take you anywhere without the academy being aware. Yeah. Right. So, and then as a player, you also have a sense of belonging. You have a sense of um, association that, oh, this is where I belong. In a matter of two years, I am going to progress to the under 16. In another one year, I'm going to progress to the under 18. And then I go play professional. So the problem here is that most of our professional, in quotes, professional clubs don't have academies. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so most of our professional academies, most of our professional football clubs do not have academies. Let's take, for instance, Aimba, Rangers, Sharks, MFMFC, Lobby, Cano Pillars. If they all have their own academies, as a youngster, I know that, oh, someday I'm going to get to don the colors yeah. of the main team. Because I will make it to the main team. There's a clear pathway, right, for them to exactly. see. Exactly. There's a clear pathway. There's a progress. Yeah. There's a ladder. You know that, oh, today I'm on level one. Tomorrow I'll be in level two. Next year I'm going to be in level three. Right. So there's a clear pathway. But here, we don't have anything. And it's because the clubs are not even standard themselves. So now today, we're talking about standardizing the clubs uh, in playing in professional football, playing uh, professional football in Nigeria. What and that's you, a problem. What do you mean by standardizing? Okay, so there's, the, the clubs are going to be able to show that they have the financial capacity, they have all of the equipment, they have all of the technical facilities yeah. and everything in place to yeah which makes sense not just some guy who think oh we can run a club and then they start owing players for for months they owe players salaries for four months five months six months and then professional players can't afford to feed their families they can't even afford to buy themselves boots good boots so so now tell me why the guys who are in the academies who who are playing youth football why would they want to be a part of such a system they want to jet out they want to travel yeah. And that is where we need to solve. That's the root cause. We need to really solve the problem from the top. Yeah. So but from the, the uh, yeah, as you said, standardize, you know, like a restructure of the, the business model and a exactly. clear and effective like system, I guess, within the club. Um, mm-hmm. the first team, academy, everything like that, you know, so it's all streamlined. Exactly. So for for the for the while we have those academies who are going to be attached to, uh, say, maybe the professional clubs, some academies are not going to be a part of those uh, academies, right? They're, but they should also have a standard. Mm-hmm. Ensure that um, they have the right facilities. Ensure that they, they, they have a good pitch to train. Now, this takes me to the issue of what exactly do the NFF do with the monies they get from FIFA, the subventions, the every everything they get from FIFA, what, what do they do with it? The monies they get from, from sponsors. 
What do they do with it? Do they just sponsor the uh, the uh, the super eagles? Right? Is is the super eagles the only property of football of the football federation? What happens to football development? Look at Morocco. Look at Morocco. Morocco has taken a step, a huge step, to develop their facilities, to develop their infrastructure. Yeah. Look at what they have in 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 their country across the country. Look at South Africa. Now they've got good pitches. They have a partnership with some. Um, in, in South Africa, they have a, a good partnership with with some corporate bodies who, 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 who develop infrastructures in cities, in different cities. Mm -hmm. they, oh, we're going to put these structures in 12 cities, and then youths can come and train in those cities. How many goal projects do we have in Nigeria? How many astrotop pitches do we have in Nigeria as a country? Yeah. Right. So there's a lot about our system, our football system in, in Africa, especially in Nigeria, and we think that we are the giants of Africa, but hey, we're far behind, far behind. Yeah, I, I don't. I totally understand what you're you're saying in terms of infrastructure. And I guess this is, this is what you meant in terms of football development, right? So in terms of infrastructure, not just at the the elite, but all the way down. Because then, if you protect the whole ecosystem, then you will create pathways for you know the new talent exactly. and building something sustainable, right? So as you exactly. see, if these young players are within clubs, these solidarity payments that that should happen when they go at least they get some money back to at least stay sustainable and they'll go back into 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 grassroots and football development not just for the athletes but for the the super eagles um the clubs itself the league its attractiveness all of that mm. Mm. I, I, I was discussing with with someone during uh, the thick of the pandemic mm -hmm. um we're, we're talking about why is it that um our professional players don't even get one endorsement yeah. in Nigeria. Our professional players don't get one single endorsement. Even the clubs cannot attract endorsements, let alone the players. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they don't even know them. The, 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 the matches are not shown, are not televised on TV. So they don't even know them on social media. They don't know them. They've not seen them. They've not heard their voices. So why should I put my money? Why should I put my brand? behind what is not visible there's no visibility there's not enough visibility right so in terms of in in terms of development we have to look at it holistically and then let it trickle down to the developmental stages let it trickle down to the academy level everybody has this sense of oh if i if i if i am 10 years old i know that by the time i am 16 i'm already looking to play for a professional team at the professional level, right? Not that, oh, once I'm 16, I just want to travel abroad, right? So we begin to change. So what we are doing is we're trying to change the mindset. How can we influence these youngsters? Hey, you don't have to. I, I was speaking with Anthony Uja um, a couple of months ago, and then he, he, said, he said something. He said, if he was confronted with the choice of sign this contract or you don't go abroad right he wasn't sure what he would have done mm -hmm. but he was never in that mix yeah. he was never in that kind of a situation so he might not be able to say but because of where he's coming from 
he would have or he might have signed that contract. Some agents even say, oh, uh, you have to sign this contract. I'm going to take 70% and then you take 30% of your salary, of your sign-on fee. These things happen. No, Guys, just, yeah, like these things happen. You, you'll be shocked, but these things do happen. What would be, in order for you to um, create maybe the system that you have in mind, right? What would be the first thing that you would implement? Because I know we've spoken about, you know, um, um, even NFF, where they get the fee for money, where that goes to, and you're talking about educating the youngsters. What would be the first thing that you would implement? Okay, so for me, um, what, I, what I want to see first is an, an organization that sees not just competition. Yeah. So we, we place too much emphasis on competition. Right. What do I mean? The guys who are coming to compete, the guys who are playing, who are in the thick of the action, what is their condition? What is their state of mind? Right. What mindset do they have? Yeah. Are they just playing? Are they seeing football as a means to escape? Right. Yeah. How are they seeing? So juxtapose a Nigerian, an average Nigerian versus a European kid. What's the mindset for choosing football as a career? Mm -hmm. Right. So are they choosing football as a career because, oh, it's the only way I can escape poverty. And when they don't make it, what becomes of them? So let's place less emphasis. Our kids, have, our young footballers are well talented, way talented. They can play football, but let's get it right structurally. Let's get it right academic-wise and say, oh, for you to play football professionally, Every academy has to ensure that their players are also going to school. They have formal education, yeah. right? They ensure that they grow the right way. They have a good career path. You know, if you don't get to, everybody is not going to be successful with football. Not everybody is going to play professional. Yeah. I am sure that Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, everybody they started with, didn't end up playing football. Yeah. Only a few would get to that professional level. So what happened to the rest? Even in Arsenal Academy, I am so sure that not everybody would play top flight football. It's not everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so some people are going to fall by the wayside, probably because they, they were not lucky enough to get the professional contract. I don't want to say they're not good enough. Uh, some of them might not actually be as good as they think, yeah. which, which brings us to the issue of talent, performance. What do we do about performance? Do we really tell ourselves the truth? If you are good enough, everybody will be looking for you. You will be the talk of the town. If you are good enough, every football intermediary on the planet will be looking for you. George Mendes is interested in players across, across the world. He wants to work with the best of talents because it's business for him. Yeah. So the earlier our youngsters understand this concept, the 
the earlier the best for them. No, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I guess we could. There's, there's just so much we can touch on, right? Because it's so wide ranging um, in terms of the issue, but also ways to tackle it. And exactly. I know just because of time, yeah. we'll wrap up now, but it's, yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. It's so interesting. And hopefully organizations like yourself continue to do what you're doing to at least, you know, spread the word, as you said, spread the word, um, make people aware about what's going on and educate people. So hopefully, will be seeing less cases of this. Mm. And I think this conversation is good as well. That proves that, you know, this is an area where we need strong links between grassroots and maybe the top, so governance, right? So if they can work hand in hand in this, in this area, coming up with some sort of document or task force or something to help to tackle this then it, it serves everyone as a whole even moving outside of sport individuals the nation when we give people opportunities um creating a platform for organize well not organizations sporting organizations to run having academies um because i know there are really good academies such as there's right to dream there's generation foot there's chigoli um there's quite a few that do it well um, I will leave your, your details at the bottom for people to get in contact with you if you want to speak in more detail. And yeah, continue the good work, Amos, because it's been, it's been very good. And to everyone that's listening, thanks for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, get involved with the conversation at um, ASU Pod. Uh, get in contact with Footballers Connect. And thanks again. And until next time, take care.